Hello, all you positive heads. Welcome to a very special episode dedicated to none other than you, the pea heads themselves. I am your pea head enthusiast and hostess for the day, Alexa Hauser. I have been blessed to have the experience of helping out with Positive Head's social media for the better part of a year. And through my digital interactions, I began to realize, as did Brandon, that we have some incredible beings listening to the show who are taking the information that Brandon puts out through the podcast and using it to transform their lives and create wonderful things. You listeners are all a huge, huge part of the life force that propels this show forward through time and space and... We think it's time to bring forth some of you beautiful reflections and delve a little deeper into this collection of energy that is the Positive Head community. So as we shine the spotlight on our listeners, what we'll have them do is share their stories of how they attracted Positive Head into their life, the transformation it's facilitated for them, and what they're focused on creating now that they're in a more positive headspace. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com slash Positive Head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com slash Positive Head. Check it out. Hello, all you positive heads. On this week's P-Head Posse episode, our guest is positive head listener, Paula Michelle Johnson. Paula is a writer and professional artist. In 2009, she lost her son and brother in a fatal car accident and was catapulted into an ocean of grief. Upon discovering meditation, she began reaching profound altered states and unlocking clairvoyant abilities that completely transformed her experience. As her journey has progressed, her mission has unfolded with a powerful dedication to helping others connect with a greater reality in order to experience the hope and healing that is available to all. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's so awesome to be here. Yeah, we've been planning this for a while. I'm, I'm really glad we could finally make it happen. You've been a prominent, uh, prominent voice, I feel like, in, in the Positive Heads group specifically, so... I'm glad we could do this. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm already just sitting here talking to my family. So, um, hi, P heads, I love you so so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I would love if you would, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you know, a, a little more about your story and y- how you eventually came to find the podcast. Yeah, um, well, the podcast was an amazing addition to my spiritual journey at just the right time. Um, I had been meditating for a couple of years and you know, whenever you meditate and you start to get turned on to all these new concepts that maybe you weren't open to before, your thirst for knowledge knowledge is now insatiable. And I found myself looking into all sorts of different things. Um, you know, just looking into what is ascension, what is what is the awakening, learning more about um, vibrational states and brain states, and just all, all all over the place, all sorts of stuff. And, but it was hard to find a place where I could just go and get a lot of that content all in one spot. And when, especially whenever I was working, you know, you mentioned that I'm a professional artist. And so when I'm in my studio and I'm working on commissions, I could be in there for hours. 
And I'd like to have something just playing in the background that'll kind of keep me energized and keep me moving. And sometimes I'll do that with music, but uh, I especially like to, to learn while I'm doing it. It, it helps to keep me stimulated. Mm. So um, one day I was just trying to search to find a podcast that would be up my alley. I had listened to a couple of podcasts, but my issue with um, looking into podcasts that were about uh, spirituality is that I found that uh, uh, the ones that I was coming across anyway were geared towards maybe one specific area and I wanted to have a grab bag. <laughs> yeah. <know>? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so one day I, I searched, uh, I think I just searched spiritual and positive and the positive head was the number one that came up on iTunes. So I put that on and man, I'm telling you from the, from the first episode that I listened to of Brandon, I was hooked. <laughs> I was all in on the positive head. And, um, you know, I've spent hours and it was awesome too, because being that there were so many episodes already, I think he had around uh, over 200 episodes available to listen to. I could just sit there and binge listen while I was painting and just from start to finish, I enjoyed every moment. And, um, that's just, I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, so the podcast was came at a, a really great time for me, and I had been on my spiritual journey for a couple of years at that point, and it just gave me that extra that I needed um, to keep me moving forward. It's like Brandon says to keep your soul constantly fed. It was it was great timing. Um, I I started my um, real spiritual journey based on the catalyst of losing my son and my brother in a car accident in 2009, and that experience just completely rocked my world. Um, I'll go ahead and share a little bit about what that was like because it'll yeah. give you guys an idea of what I was up against and what I was uh, trying to survive before I found something that really broke my world wide open into hope and healing. So um, the story of losing Josh doesn't just have to do with um, the, the accident and his death. It was our whole story. I had him at the age of 17 and I myself had had a difficult childhood and as soon as I became a mother, I immediately felt a healing and a hope there because I was so in love with this baby. And I knew that we had a lot of odds against us, but I also knew right away that I was going to experience a lot of redemption just from being the type of mother and parent that I didn't have growing up. And... Um, and his father and I did get married. Um, we had another son and we had a very unstable beginning and a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the marriage wasn't good, but as far as the kids knew, everything was pretty ideal. And, um, in, as a matter of fact, in the book that I'm working on, that's going to be released probably sometime this year, I say, um, if the art of turd polishing was a degree program, I was going for my PhD. 
Wow. <laughs> so, so I really, really put a lot of effort into creating a life that society would give its seal of approval to. And mm. uh, for 12 years, we did that. We, we came out of shaky circumstances, kind of went up the ladder of stability, um, purchased a nice home in a, in a great part of Colorado. Um, you know, had the new vehicles and the neighborhood connections and just all the perfect little happy family homes uh, environment thing going on. And um, the, the problem was that as I was growing up and getting to know myself more and getting a little bit more real with myself about what this marriage was and how much longer I could go on um, staying committed to what was probably never a good fit for me to begin with in order to prove to everyone that I hadn't, you know, got married too soon, had a baby too soon and all that. I started to really just look inside and, and say, you know, truthfully, this marriage is not built to last. And it's a matter of me figuring out how to just get the inner strength that I need of to make that decision and to deal with what I knew was going to be some painful aftermath with the kids because they were very content and very happy with the life that we were living. So, um, yeah, so we'd been together for about 12 years in 2008. I finally made that call and it, it was difficult. The kids didn't take it very well. And um, I was the one to move out. I got an apartment uh, within a couple miles of our house. And uh, their father and I just started sharing custody 50-50. So the kids were with us. Literally, I'd have the kids for a few days and then they'd go back to dad. So half a week, every week, the kids were with both of us. And we were having a rough time um, just adjusting to this new normal for a good while. Josh had always been such a, a wholesome, happy, upbeat, high-achieving, just sweetheart, awesome kid. And over the at least the first six months, he he there was a change in him. And it was just very hard for him to accept that this was our new life. And and as we got closer to about the year mark, that's when I started to see the light coming back. That's when I started to see that he was starting to really get in a groove with our new life. And he'd, he'd been talking to some friends who'd been through divorce as well. And he was just starting to feel better. And he was starting to, to have that hopeful glow again and, and all that stuff. So that was literally at the time when the accident was about to happen, that I was noticing this light at the end of the tunnel mm. of the divorce and moving on. So um, I was working at a call center and I got a call or actually I didn't get a call. I wasn't allowed to keep my phone out, you mm -hmm. know, because you're on the phones and they don't want you interrupted. And uh, so I saw that I had missed some text that said I needed to get off the phones right away. So I did that, I returned the call, and I found out that my son and my brother had been in a car accident. The only information that I got was that they had been on their way to a school play, 
Um, and that night happened to be one of the nights that the kids are with my ex-husband. So I wasn't even aware that they were going to a school play. We didn't give each other every little mm-hmm. detail of what was going on. You know, each of the kids were with us. Um, but they were going to a school play that was um, my brother's girlfriend's mm-hmm. daughter's little elementary school play. And about a mile from their destination, they got in an accident. And all I knew at that point was that they were both unconscious. So um, I immediately jumped up from my chair and I ran across the call center floor and I called over my shoulders to my boss. My son's been in an accident. I've got to go. And the hospital was only about five minutes away from my work. So, I mean, in, in the blink of an eye, I'm walking through the door of the hospital. I get to the front desk and I let the people know who I am. And whenever the recognition of who I was um, set in with the lady that was checking me in, once, once she realized who I was there for, her demeanor immediately changed. And she got quiet and she told me that she was going to take me back to the waiting area so I could be, you know, they could take it from there and and let me know what was going on. And so I'm following her down this corridor, which just seems endless. And she didn't say a word the whole time we're walking down this hall. And I just knew at that point that Mm. it had to be bad. And I also, though, I didn't ask any questions. Um, I was really, I think I I I was just trying to hold on to the last little bit of hope that I had before I might be hit with some news Mm. that I wasn't prepared to hear. So so we get into into this room and there's my ex-husband and my sister and some other people and everyone is crying they look like they've been crying hard for a while and i literally just collapsed and i couldn't breathe and um, i finally mustered up a question because i had to know and i just looked up and i asked is he still alive and my sister looked at me and said, Greg's gone, mm. my brother. And, and then I looked to Roy, my ex-husband, and he was just shaking his head and his hands were shaking. And he said, Paula, Josh's heart stopped for 30 mm. minutes. Wow. And, um, you know, I tried to process that. <laughs> I tried to process what that meant. And I just, even that was just too much. And pretty soon after, a doctor came in and gave me the, the same information that he had already given to them. And he said that um, at the impact of the crash, Greg's brainstem had crushed up into his brain. So he experienced immediate brain death mm-hmm. on the scene. He said that Josh, on the other hand, had sustained multiple injuries. And the reason why was he, you know, he had his seatbelt on when he left the house, but we think that he, um, my brother Greg was real goofy and he had this giant, um, monkey stuffed animal that he always kept in his Uh back seat and 
Um, we think that Josh unbuckled and grabbed it and brought it up to the front seat because it was with him whenever they found him at the scene. So Josh's um, kidneys were bruised and bleeding. His spleen was shattered. He had already got, undergone blood transfusions. His brain was badly shaken. His teeth were knocked out. So um, it, it was pretty horrendous just getting all these details one after the other and and i'm just scanning everything the doctor's saying for hope and and running through my mind what i know about this type of stuff and uh it, it was just a, a lot it was a lot to try to take in so um and the thing that was going to really be important was how much his brain swelled over the course of the night was going to determine if it would swell to the point of brain death for Josh as well. So, um, so we went into the room um, after they explained to us all of this. And, um, you know, even though Josh had sustained all these in- in- injuries, he just, he looked so beautiful and serene to me. And I just couldn't imagine that this was the case with my beautiful, perfect boy laying here in this bed. And I, I basically just spent that night um, telling him everything I could think of to tell him. I sang stories to him from when he was little. Um, I just told him how grateful I was to be his mom and, and how proud I was. And um, he he actually had his first little date was going to be on Friday. He was going to go to have pizza um, with a girl that he had been telling me that he liked. And um, he, he was all excited about that. So I tried to say, you know, Josh, you got to wake up. You know, Michaela's going to be wanting to see you. And, um you know, just things like that. But as I as I watched him laying there, I knew that his body and the state that he was in was not suitable for him. And I felt like spirit was was truly clearly telling me this that that this vehicle that he had been traveling this earth plane in was no longer suitable. And, um, you know, but I, I prayed some very desperate prayers. I prayed that somehow uh, roles could have been reversed and I could have been in the accident and Josh could have the rest of his life. And, uh, you know, it, I just anything. I'm like, if the impossible can happen, God, make it happen. Um, but ultimately in the morning, um, we did have to. Um, let Josh go. We The doctors told us that his brain had swelled beyond the point of being viable and that for us to turn off the machines didn't really mean that we were making What it meant was we were um, just stopping uh, a process that was keeping his body viable. So, um, so that's what we had to do. And I actually have, um, there is one thing I would like to share when it comes to that, just to wrap up that story. Um, a few years after losing Josh, I wrote a blog and in that blog, um, I just wanted to tell the story 
in detail for how it happened so I could just get it out of me. And I didn't really have any purpose beyond that. But I would like to share with you just this last part of the blog where I describe what it was actually like to um, to let Josh go and see him die. So, um, and I have a reason why I share this, and I'll, I'll get into that here a little bit further if we have a chance to get into that. Give me just one second. After a good while had passed, Roy and I conceded that the time had come to go back into the room and be with our boy for his final moments. We signed the forms and sat on each side of his bed. What those machines do to protect us from what's really happening can't be described to anyone who hasn't witnessed it firsthand. If you've never seen someone die, no TV show, movie, retelling of events, or funeral will be able to show you what it is to witness life leave this place. Roy and I took Josh's hands in hours as the machines were shut off and the room went silent. We told him again how much we loved him and how proud we were to be his parents. The intensity and love that erupted from us to him was explosive in the room. His eyes drifted open as the manufactured breath left his body and our voices got higher as we cried and thanked Josh for letting us see his beautiful eyes. Then the muscle control in his face released and his jaw sunk and distorted his face, letting us know that he was truly gone. Seeing my son's body empty of his soul was the single most shocking image I have ever seen, and in many quiet, quiet moments may compel me again to deep sorrowful tears. But being there to say goodbye in that moment is also the most vivid thing I have ever experienced. Life isn't shown for how precious it is any more than it is in a moment like the one we shared with our son when, when he left us. As we left the room, I glanced back again and saw my son's body laying there in that bed, looking much different than it had the harrowing night before and in the early morning hours of this day. He now had this helpless, vulnerable look about him that I had seen in my brother Greg. I saw him lying in that room all alone in the quiet as we walked away and still couldn't shake the feeling that I was abandoning my boy. I would have held him forever just to be in his presence and give him whatever I had to give. I was only just beginning to learn how to say goodbye. It's mm, beautiful. You know, I... One of the reasons why I share that is, well, there's a couple of reasons why I share it. Um, but one of the reasons is I feel like if I can tell the story in as much raw detail as I can and really let people know what I experienced and then be able to share where I'm at today, which I'm unbelievably grateful for, then there has to be hope for someone else who's gone through some, some kind of a serious trauma themselves. And maybe they just haven't um, connected with someone else that has a story that reflects enough the deep pain that they're experiencing. And, you know, in my journey, whenever I was looking for resources to help me with grief, um, I read some books that were very beautiful and had some, some healing messages. 
But I was really looking for that story that showed someone that was in a hole as deep as I was and came out the other side and was okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we think, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Even even on, you know, a smaller scale trauma, I, I know that for myself when I'm, when I'm going through something that I feel like I'm in a hole, it's like I want it. I want it feels like my situation is so unique and that until I hear someone with almost the exact situation, I'm like, well, no one would understand or like, well, that doesn't apply to me because it's not the exact situation. So I think that's that's very um intuitive of you and that's very wise of you that there are people who are looking to identify with someone who has been in you know a situation just like they have to know that they can get out of it and 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 how did you begin to get out of it because you know as you just described this must have been like one of the lowest moments of your life. Um, so how did you make that journey to, to, to where you are now? Well, it was, um, for the first few years, um, I was more on autopilot, just survival than I was really healing. Mm -hmm. And even as some time had gone on. And so I had a kind of a buffer between me and, and that day, you know, they say time heals all wounds, but I really believe time itself doesn't heal much. It just puts things further and further into the subconscious until you're ready for healing. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that can be really difficult because grief, you, you know, you're kind of on this tranquil sea for a little while and then grief will rear its ugly head and just sweep you under this huge wave out of nowhere. And so I was never really safe and I was never really healed that much from those times happening. Um, I did start experiencing phenomenon right away um, that showed me that there was a good possibility that there was something supernatural going on. So those things got my attention. But I even had an aversion to saying, okay, Josh is here. Josh is trying to show me something because I felt like I was vulnerable to reaching for things to try to make myself feel better. And I was afraid I was going to cheapen his memory if I even acknowledged that this is what was happening. But right from the start, right after he passed away, I started seeing big, bright blue sparks everywhere and often. And, um, you know, and I even Googled, um, visual disturbances brought on by stress. You know, I was trying to explain to myself how this was coming about. But um, after a few years had passed, um, at one point I started doing yoga. And when I was doing yoga, it was just something that I had promised myself I would do to add something positive and healthy to my lifestyle um, to, to get me to have, you know, have something to look forward to and, and try something new. And I really wasn't um, all that interested in or knowledgeable about all the spiritual aspects. But when I started doing yoga, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just doing it all, all the time all of a sudden. I just loved it. And I noticed that something was emerging in me. I was starting to feel positivity and I was also starting to feel um, some deeper concepts that were just integrating. Um, I don't even have words to describe a lot of that, but it was like my perspective was shifting. 
And after some time of doing yoga, um, I started having this suggestion of meditation coming up everywhere. And it was in the most random places. I mean, I'm at the grocery store. Somebody ran, randomly says something about meditation. Um, a cousin that I haven't talked to forever calls and mentions meditation. I'm watching a video meditation. And so it keeps coming up. And I say, okay, maybe I should try meditation. <laughs> so, um, so I did that. And I didn't even really know a whole lot about what way to go about it. I sort of looked at a few little tidbits here and there and, and got the, you know, breathing, breathing deep through your nose, out through your mouth, having a straight spine, um, having quiet, um, trying to clear your mind. Those were like the only basic ideas that I had about it. Um, but when I did start meditating, there was some kind of a knowing in me that said something is supposed to happen. And I didn't know what that something was, but I also had a knowing that it would depend on how much I committed to um, staying clear and staying with my breath. And so within my third attempt, I reached such a profound altered state that I went into that meditation just still kind of wondering what's the big deal. And I came out of it and I knew that there is a far greater story that's unfolding here than we, most of us have been told or are aware of. And um, I mean, to, in, a, in a nutshell, it would take a while to describe exactly what happened and I didn't even know that's what was happening. But all seven of my chakras got opened up in this one session. And I was raised into a high vibrational bubble of bliss that what, uh, was unlike any high or any experience that you can have that I know of. How did you know your chakras opened up? You could literally feel them or could you see them in some way? Or what was that like? What happened was, and that's why I say I didn't know it at the time. Oh, okay. I started, I, I, I know now that that's what happened, but the reason why is because I wasn't really aware of the deal with the chakras. Right. <laughs> so, but I was meditating and I started to perceive a spinning sensation down in uh, my root chakra. Mm. And it was a spinning sensation that I could mentally watch. Oh, wow. And so I'm just mentally watching this and it went on for a while and then it moved up, did the same thing again and on, on and on and on. It's, it did this in all seven chakras, but when it got to my crown chakra, suddenly it wasn't a chakra spinning anymore. It was me. So now I can feel myself spinning in a circle, like my body is straight and I'm being spun in a circle. Wow. And, and then after it did this for a while, suddenly I'm spinning in two directions. So there's wow. two of me. Yeah. I can perceive them both. Yeah. And I'm like, that's hard to 
conceptualize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and this went on. I, there kept being more of me spinning in these different directions, but all anchored to the center point. And finally, after this period of this crazy, awesome, multiple me is spinning in this um, circle, um, the spin got so fast that it turned into uh, just a high vibration. And then as that high vibration um, was being experienced, I suddenly heard and felt a very loud come in. And um, I was just elevated to a fully illuminated high vibrational state. Wow. And, and <laughs> so what was that? Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was, it, it's hard to describe. Um, it felt so right. Mm. It, um, it's like when it came in, it, it was like, I just understood what was happening somehow. I understood that mm. okay, now I'm high enough to where consciousness can really fully connect with me. Mm. And, and as long as I'm here being bathed in this consciousness, something is being added or something is being opened. You know, mm-hmm. I just felt like I was in a place where um, I could just stay there forever. And it was, it was my choice. I knew it was my choice too. Mm-hmm. I knew that I could just say, okay, good, and stop, you know? Right. Um, but I was just like, wow, this just um, proves to me that what a human being is capable of and what all these people are getting at with meditation and stuff, that this and so much more is possible. And I was just ready to keep diving in from that point on and find out what that was. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, what happened after that? Was that like the beginning of more? Or? Yes, very much Okay. So. <laughs> I immediately started having visions. I immediately started experiencing um, different, different levels of clairvoyance. Um, I was driving one day and I very clearly out of the blue heard Josh say, dream big mom. And that was one thing. But the experience that truly transformed me and um, really brought my grief um, out of where it was into a totally different perspective was this meditation that I had where I actually got to see Josh, not just see him, but be where he was at. So, um, this story, I'll try not to be too long with the stories because I, I definitely want to talk about, um, what, what, what this is all building to and what I'd like to do to help heal and, um, just, you know, honor these experiences. But basically what happened in this meditation was I was going very deep I um, 
at some point, at some, I get to these critical points in in a deep meditation where I no longer have to try. It's like if you put all the end on the front end of the med, if you put all the work on the front end of the meditation, there is a critical point where it goes on autopilot and you, it's effortless. And um, yeah. so I was in, I was at that point where my breath had taken over and it was very, very deep and I was being anchored into a calm that couldn't be interrupted. And so as I'm anchored into that calm, I was suddenly in an expansive, uh, black, endless setting. And um, as I'm in this setting and, you know, I'm there and I'm just looking around and it seems like almost like this was a loading program or something. Like this is a place where all the potential can come in. This is like the blank slate. And I suddenly noticed that there were some 3D, uh, it's like there were computer generated shapes forming in the center of this blackness. And they were the numbers 97, just floating in midair. And I immediately knew that had to do with Josh because Josh was born in 97. So as soon as I um, saw those numbers, made the Josh connection, suddenly this reality did render itself to a, a full and colorful and vibrant environment. And I'm here, and there's just people everywhere. And they're all just kind of standing and and looking around. Um, And maybe like they were waiting for something, or they were just standing in awe. It's It's hard to tell. I was standing in awe, but that's what they were doing. And the way that this environment looked was... If you can imagine the most vibrant, crisp, HD picture you've ever seen, but you're in it. So everything's filled with light. Because like on a TV screen, if you see the images, you turn off the lights in the room, the whole picture is light. It's made of light. And and this is what it was like. And I look across the crowd, not too far away, um, but not not just right next to me, you know, like 20, 20 people worth uh, away from me or something like that. And I see Josh. <laughs> and, and he's kind of looking ahead, just standing there with that same look, just waiting to see what comes next or... I'm not really sure. And I was filled with so much joy and so much contentment that I didn't even feel a need to go to him. And the, the, I didn't feel a need for anything. Um, everything just felt so high vibration and wonderful and and the thing about seeing him from that distance was it made no difference 
and the clarity of vision that I had, I could see every little minute detail, the different variations of the hues of color on his hair. <laughs> I mean, it's just so much more real and crisp than anything I've ever seen with my human eyes. But the thing that really caught me with this experience was this, it wasn't just that I would see something. I would feel it when I saw it. And it was a combining of the senses that is, it's hard to describe it. I think I found a good way to describe it. So take, for example, if you were watching, you know, a very beautiful dance routine or um, figure skating routine. And as you watch this movement, you feel moved and, you know, something might swell up inside of you at a certain point. Um, you know, so you're physically being affected and connected by what you're witnessing visually. Well, take that idea, multiply it by a thousand, and it applies to every little mundane detail that you see. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's, that's what it was like. Wow. So, um, I, you know, I came out of that meditation just so transformed and the you know my initial thoughts were of course nobody's going to believe me <laughs> um, yeah. then, then I pretty, much, pretty quickly realized I didn't care you know um, and then over yeah. time I started to actually have people show up and come to me who were um, struggling with grief themselves I've had some random weird ways that people have found me that are grieving the loss of children in particular, but not even people necessarily that, that their trauma is, is grief either. And I found that I was able to help them unlock these abilities within themselves. And the picture really started to come together wow. for me, that this was a part of the soul contract that Josh and I and my brother Greg had all signed up for. And mm. go ahead. And yeah, well, oh, just when you first, when you were saying and the picture started to come together, I got this immediate um, knowing inside of me um, and this kind of really exciting idea in a way that this grief is the key to these gifts. And, you know, I know we, people talk about that, you know, like the, that the greater your, the greater your capacity for joy is, is uh, inversely proportionate to, you know, your capacity for, mm -hmm. for grief, like the, the deeper you can feel like the, the more joy you can have, but something about the way you just said that, put this image into my mind that made me so excited because it made me think of this as yes. kind of like a superpower. It's kind of like the, just the way you were talking about, yeah, I can't explain. I've never really gotten an image like this before when I've been talking to anyone or doing any sort of interview, but it was, re I, I almost like felt what you were feeling. I can't, I don't know. <laughs> I just had an experience and it was really exciting. The, the image I got in my head. So sorry. Um, yeah, please, please explain more of that. 
And that, ha- yeah. that does yeah. happen where I-, I had a friend recently, we were talking and she suddenly felt like she was me and I was her and she got uh, kind of weirded out, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm not yeah. weirded out. I'm like, oh, that was no, you're cool. Exactly <laughs> right. You're exactly right. And the, yeah. um, the quote by Rumi, the wound is where the light enters you, has really mm-hmm. uh, profoundly affected my understanding because I was in a meditation once and an entity said to me, mm-hmm. desire is the root of all creation. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, we're all going through this human condition with this uh, knowledge that we are going to die someday or that we could lose someone. But we keep it buried back in our subconscious because we don't have a solution that we can live with as to what that's all about. And what Mm -hmm. happens whenever it comes knocking on your door is that all of the noise of life that keeps us from looking at that goes silent. And we are suddenly aware Mm. of something that didn't just happen. It's always been there. And it's a call to discover the truth. And it's a call to Mm. begin to see the dilemma to start walking towards solving that dilemma and to basically claim our birthright that as human beings, there's a lot that we are uh, able to experience. And it's a big, big part of what we're doing here, individually and collectively. And so every time someone makes a leap to that other side, so now they're working, uh, they're working with us in a, in a different way. Um, they're holding their hand out and we reach for that hand and we wind up discovering all these things that we didn't expect. And then we begin to raise the consciousness of this whole collective. So the ripple effect and the grief that, or the gift that is hidden in grief is immense. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. 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 Because again, it's, and yeah, the more you're describing it, the more it's just um, becoming so clear to me. It's, it's like, yeah, because you've opened your, you've, 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 the space mm-hmm. has been created, you know, with, with the grief, the space has been created for the, um, eventual immense joy once you you find yes. the the gift of it and um yeah and wow so are you saying when you mentioned before that you know other people who've been experiencing grief have come to you and you've been able to help them unlock yes. gifts is is that have they had similar experiences to you of these like multi-dimensional yes. or like yes. clairvoyant experiences um, the um wow what what i find happens is that wherever your consciousness is is ready to whatever the next available step in your consciousness that's available to you as soon as they do this and, and the way that I've been helping them to perceptualize meditation ahead of time and then work with them um, on navigating some of the ins and outs and blocks that they might be having 
they will experience something pretty much right away that gets them off and running. So, um, Mm. for example, um, I had a guy that um, in Canada... (laughs) And he had lost his son not too recent or not, not too far back from when he contacted me. And it was just from he had, he had seen a comment that I made on a, a, a group and um, he felt compelled to say hello and, and all that. Well, um, this guy is a good old boy truck driver. <laughs> and so he, you know, he's very um, old fashioned family guy, um, works hard, comes home, you know, is not exploring metaphysics by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, but he had that open wound and he felt like somehow I might be able to help him. And really he was just looking to be able to express, you know, express what he was going through. And um, so, you know, of course I was there for him and we, we spoke a lot about what he was going through and he went through some of the painful details and it was, somewhat cleansing for him just to be able to get that out and 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 that sort of thing but um and i wasn't real pushy with it but i just told him that everything that i was able to share with him was a direct byproduct of what meditation had done for me and that that really you know nothing can compare as far as the healing that i had experienced through meditation so um, I gave him some pretty specific instructions, and I let him know that basically, like I said before, if you put all the in all the work on the front end of the meditation, um, then you can rest assured that at some point something will happen. It may not happen the first time, but something is happening. Um, and so, anyway, the first time that he attempted it, because he didn't know what at all to expect. Um, he, he kind of freaked out and he sent me a message and he said, um, I just had to jump out, out of my chair and run out of the room because I felt like I was levitating off my chair all of a sudden. <laughs> and he's like, is that normal? Am I crazy? And I had told him that he could yeah. expect not just in meditation, but also in waking life for some things to start to unfold. And he told me, Um, The very next day, he was driving his truck, and suddenly he had a vision appear in his mind's eye. And the best way I can describe the difference between a vision and just imagining and picturing something is that it's a real picture that you can see in your head, you know. And it's like if I close my eyes and and I'm watching a movie, I see the movie just Uh. like I see it when my eyes are open, like that. So, um and he, he not only saw his son, but he right, saw his right. father. And his father was seated, and his son had his, his hand on his father's shoulder. And they were both <sighs> telling him that they were fine. And that was his very first step into healing. Mm-hmm. Very soon after that, on one of his... Uh, on one of his sojourns in his uh, truck, he ran ran across um, a Reiki healer, and she began to help him. So it's we're all you know kind of set up here and there to to do the work and to be there for each other. And when we're open to this life, then 
everything that's available that's been trying to come to us will show up. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's great. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. I mean, that's and it's 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 just really interesting. Um, it's just really interesting that that specifically this group of people, like this community of people who have experienced such such deep sorrow um, and experienced something that they would never want to experience, and that you know I think most people would never want to experience. But it's but it's it's this key and it's this doorway to something more. And I, I just love hearing that because it, it just, it just proves and it just shows that no matter what we're yes. experiencing here, it's all for expansion. Mm-hmm. It's all for a greater asking and it's all for more, you know, and we all have different roles to play in that. And um, it's, it's, it's so beautiful that, you know, you're playing this role mm-hmm. and you're helping other people Powerless, like helpless. discover their gifts instead of, feeling like they're, you know, cursed or, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, Um, so so yeah, what, what is this led you to create? I know you said, you know, it's all kind of been building up to something. Um, it's called a hand to hold. And, um, the reason for the title is actually, um, whenever my son was dying, they had some people come in to help. And one of the Mm. things that they did to memorialize was to dip his hands in plaster and to make us these molds of his hands. And, you know, it was difficult when that was being done because I'm sitting there going, okay, so this is what I'm going to have left, Mm. you know? Um, But that has wound up being such a profound symbol to me because um, I've been holding on to this hand all this time. And I realized that Josh reached his hand out to me um, as soon as I was able to grab a hold of it, he was there. And mm. now that is what I am continuing the process of doing for anyone that I can. So um, mm-hmm. I have a website and the website is holdinghandshealing.com. And um, the website's pretty new, um, but I right out the gate, I want to make sure that I get people some tools that will help them to begin to uh, tap into their own power and ability of meditation. So I have a few videos, a three-part series that I've been putting up. And you'll probably like this. The first video is called Meditation Doesn't Work For Me. Yeah, so I basically just break down, you know, um, some of the perceptions that we have and things like that. Yeah, you'll hook a lot of people with that one. (laughs) is very key to having a successful meditation. Although I hate to even say successful meditation because every meditation is successful. It's just that some of the pieces that are being put into place, we can't see. And... And as the picture builds over time, it becomes more clear. Um, but the second uh, video in the series is um, right. I go over step-by-step instructions, um, a method that I call the cloud method. And um, it's nothing complicated. It's about being super comfy while you're meditating. <laughs> and But I go into... 
Sounds good. I'm staring at I'm staring so at some clouds out my, my window right now, just passing me by, so, and I was um, thinking, oh, this so is so pacifying. And, um, and um, uh, yeah, whether you're sitting <laughs> up or lying down. Yeah, and then um, and the third one yep. is a guided meditation <laughs> that I have put together. That um, if someone wants to listen to something and see how how deep they can go with some assistance, I've created one for you to do that. Um, I also include, um, I have even a, a link on the page called rabbit hole links because I found whenever I was uh, meditating and starting to be open to all these concepts, like I said, I was so thirsty for knowledge. And so I just put some of my favorite little videos and resources and podcasts. The positive head is on there <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, positive head. The head is a must. <laughs> So, um, so that's there, and um, and I have a blog. Oh, that, awesome! Uh, Thank you. Any article that I'm sharing, <laughs> lovely. any recent uh, insights, <laughs> things like that. Um, that's awesome. Into detail about my, my own perspective about um, you know this whole start story, start to finish, and uh, of creation of what our existence actually is and, and they're, they're just to, to share my perspective and give people something to contemplate um, but what I really really want to come out of the website is for people to understand that um, I'm saying it's holding hands healing because I am personally specifically here for you so um, I put out a newsletter every week, and in the newsletter I write a couple of articles touching on a couple of um, topics that seem to be relevant right now. And I really encourage anyone who's subscribed to send me feedback, questions, what they'd like to see covered. And I take that very much into account whenever I'm doing the newsletter. And then it also is awesome to be able to include um, stories that people are sharing, anything positive that has come out of it for them so far, um, insights and things like that. And so um, that's what we're doing there. But I'm setting up a calendar right now so that I can do one-on-one um, -on -one, um, video messaging. I have one client that I'm doing that with now. And, and all of this is free, by the way. <laughs> so... Yeah, so um, I, I have some big plans for the future. Um, I, I really um, have a vision of doing some biannual retreats where people oh, that are lovely. in this, this really tough spot with grieving can come. And I'd even like to have a, a nonprofit to where we can have some scholarship funds available to pay for people to be able to come. Um, yeah. So that's in the future. And, um, and I think that between the book and the speaking engagements I'm going to do, the universe will set me up to, to do whatever is in good time for me in, in that way. So for the people that I'm here to help, I'm trying to keep, um, financial ties and, and all of that, um, as the least of our concern as we work on this healing. Mm, yeah isn't that the best you know the best place to be in I think yes. that's when I feel like 
when you have that perspective, that's when you you're you're really in the flow and you're really trusting the universe and you really know that, you know, it's really about giving your gift and that you'll be taken care of and that there's there's no need to. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's such an amazing resource for any anyone who's listening right now, who's grieving yeah, exactly. anything or anyone. Um, I think this is amazing. This is an amazing resource for you guys to check out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Paul, you're going to be doing so many things. Um, I can, I can feel your fire. So that's, yeah. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Everyone take advantage of that. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. I, you know, I thank you so much for wanting to share this story. I, I, I am personally inspired and, you know, um, meditation for me is something that I still struggle with sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I meditate every single day. Um, but, you know, I have really good days where like some things will come through. But um, I know that for myself, I still have some blocks that I'm working through in terms of being able to access more. And so I really love hearing your story and um just hearing about, you know, your journey with it and others journeys with it, because it, it, it makes me know that there's, there's more to explore and there's more to access and and it's possible. And, um, yeah, I, so I just had a couple of other questions (laughs) before we Um, wrap this thing up. Um, just cause I feel like you'll have have some some good answers for this. Do you have, (laughs) you know, one thing that you think would benefit every P head to know or understand as they continue on their own journey? Like one nugget, one. Where I sat down next to a woman on a bench and I started talking to her and I realized that I had seen her many times before that we had done this many times before and I had just forgotten every time. And so as I'm talking to her, I'm saying this and she's like, she laughs and smiles and she's like, Oh yeah. Um, you, you remember now. Good. This is good. And I'm like, Oh, this is weird. You know? And I look, look across the way from us and we're staring at an amusement park and the Ferris wheel is directly facing us. So as the people are coming down on the Ferris wheel, they're facing us. And I'm asking her, um, how is she connected with me? Because I, I kind of just yeah. realized that she's a guide that I've been sitting and talking with on this bench. And I just haven't remembered. And she says, well, um, I witnessed your love for your son, Josh, one time. And it just really touched me. And from that moment, um, we were connected. And I was like, but I, I said, but I don't remember you. Wow. And she's like, she's laughing. And she's like, we don't remember a lot of people that we meet. <laughs> and I'm kind of picking up that she could have even, even just been a cashier. Like, there's no telling who she was. But we weren't, we weren't, we didn't know each other well. I know that. And, um, and I said, okay, so then, but then you must have died. And she said, yeah, at some point later I died. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, um, and I'm like, so you're our guide just based on that. And she's like, yeah, she says, yeah, love connects us. And we were a good fit. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. And so then I look up and I see Josh coming down the Ferris wheel. 
And you know how, like, if you put your hands out and you can look like you're holding the sun in your hands, you know, the perspective thing? Well, I was, I'm looking at her, I'm like, I want to see him. And she kind of nods and says, do what you want to do right now. So I put my hands out and Josh hops off the Ferris wheel and he is little Josh standing in my hand. And yeah. I'm like, okay, yes. but yeah. I, yeah. I want big Josh. <laughs> and then um, suddenly the whole arena that we're in um, transforms and we are standing in that big black space, except for as far as the eye can see, there is every <laughs> possible different version of Josh that you can imagine. So, I mean, there's even yeah. alien with three eyes, Josh. I mean, <laughs> there's a sea of Josh's. And I look at her and I say, in this sea of Josh's, where is he? And she says, it's impossible to tell. And I said, okay. Oh, wow. And I was noticing that some of them looked like they were partly Josh, partly someone else. Wow. Like, well, how do yeah. you know where one version of Josh starts to become some version of someone else? She says, it's impossible to tell that either. I'm like, okay. And she says, but if we were standing in the sea of Paula's, the one that you are would be exactly in the center. <laughs> And so with the universe expanding infinitely, it's not just our perspective because, wow. you know, logically speaking, you have to be in the center no matter who you are, where you are, if the universe is expanding infinitely. But you're not just in the center of, of all that is. You're in the center of, of all the possibilities of all that is. And, and the thing that I found to be so... Um, impactful about the the guide and who she was and how she came to be connected is that we have no idea the power of love we we have no idea that it is a supernatural force that connects us into this web right and so anytime we can really keep it on the forefront of our mind to be unconditionally loving everywhere we go we are creating eternal connections that have infinite possibilities to help and heal mm. all, all over the place. And if you realize that, and you realize that this is all just an illusion where love is just trying to happen, and then you can make a conscious choice to be a part of that connector, that builder, you're doing a lot, lot, lot more by just reflecting love than you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that, cause I had like a similar, not, not this vision. This, this is in meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Was this a minute? Okay. <laughs> Halfway through, I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure this is meditation, yeah. but, but, but regardless, um, yeah, I had like a little download that was basically, it, it, it came through like last week that was, it just said in my head, it was like, love is trying to get to you through everything, Mm -hmm. through every single person, Mm -hmm. interaction. It's always trying to come through. It's you that is is making it so that you can't see it or feel it. It's only ever you. And when I got that image in my head, somehow it gave me more of an understanding that like, oh, 
You know, I sit here sometimes and I'm like, oh, like I don't have this or where's this or (laughs) I feel lonely or whatever it is. And then to realize and have this image that no love is like literally trying to come in through every single molecule of the universe to me at all times. And it's only me who has some shield up saying, you know, oh, it's not here. It's not here. And to to just know that and to let go of of anything that's putting the shield up is 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 the work right it's just allowing it like like abraham always says or like people you know that we have on the show always say it's just it's about the allowing and the relaxing but that gave me a whole new understanding of it like like it's not something that we have to go seek out necessarily it's not like we have to go like where's the love where's the love oh this person it might be loving this thing might make me feel love it's like no 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 it's coming through everything it's just about you allowing it to come through everything and see it in everything right yes and i and also um another concept that i hear with that too that resonates with me so much is to understand that if this is happening for me and mm-hmm. love is trying to manifest into my experience all the time, that that's all it's ever doing. Mm-hmm. Then can we be honest with ourselves and look at this negative thing, quote negative thing and say, why is this happening for me? Why, mm-hmm. uh, why is this happening for me? So that love can come through. And if we can be mm. honest with ourselves, it, it's usually very obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. Definitely. It's, 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 yeah, that's a really, thank you for sharing that, that story. That's that, wow, that vision is so powerful. And, um, but I just have one question. So why were there, why, why were there infinite amount of, amounts of Josh's, mm-hmm. right? But we wouldn't be able to tell which one was the real Josh, but if there is infinite, but there's infinite amounts of you, but, but we knew who it was with you. Is that because everything is expanding out from your perspective? Um, I think that it was very, I think that it was a, as close to a realistic um, version of, of how it works where there, every potentiality exists. But the, the important part about me being in the center is that there is no confusion when it comes to me. So when I'm looking all around and trying to find this, that, and the other, I can know exactly where I'm at. And I can go within, and I can find everything from there. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's powerful. I like that. That's great. Yeah, that's very true. Because because what and what it what it also implies is like that we're always trying to sort things out with other people in in exchange for sorting it out within ourselves and knowing that what we're seeing is sorted out, if that makes sense. Like like, yes, and how utterly futile. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> when you compare one or the other. Right, exactly. It's like all of our, exactly. Oh, that's so great. Like, that's, 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 that story gives me. Yeah, it's kind of I'm just like, there's so <laughs> many things that are coming through to me th- just through that story now that I'm thinking about it. That's, 
Yeah, it definitely has layers. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to marinate on that for like the next week. Um, (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. And um, final question for you, Paula. Do you have an intention for 2018? My intention for 2018 is to bring light to as many open wounds as I can and to just watch Mm. the ripple effect of amazement as it as it spreads through taking people from from grief to gratitude for what this life is really offering us it is yet to be known Mm, that's beautiful Thank you so much for doing this, Paula, and for sharing your story and for sharing all these amazing infi- insights. I'm, like I said, you've given me a lot to uh, think about and and just marinate on for for <laughs> for some time. So thank you so much, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Um, uh, anything else you want to say before um, we sign just off? Just want to say again to my peahead fam. I love you so, 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 so much. (laughs) And I love you too, Brandon. You are absolutely (laughs) a rock star. And um, obviously Mm. you have rock star connections because I'm sitting here talking to one right now. Oh, thank you so much. I love you so, so, so much, Paula. And uh, same with you guys, P heads. And thanks for thanks for allowing us to do this, Brandon, because I get to talk to people like Paula and and the rest of you guys. And um, you've just given me an opportunity to say this has been awesome for me as well. So it's 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 a mutual gift. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Paula. And yeah, as Brandon always says, journey well. Yay!